Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Another edition of NBA Today. NBA Today, in case you missed it, a Hoop Bowl presentation. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me at CorbinMBA. And I would like to welcome a special guest, uh, basketball extraordinaire here, good buddy of mine, finally getting him on. It has been a work in progress, y'all, let me tell you. <laughs> Benjamin Christensen. Benjamin, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Corbin? Hey, man, I'm doing just fine. Happy to finally get on board with you here talking about this eighth seed race. But um, yes. <laughs> it's exciting. Before we get to that, just want to plug two things. First off, you know, I, I like to think I'm a nice guy. I'm not Kawhi, but I like to give you guys uh, discounts if I can. Check out HoopBall in their partnership with MyBookie. Join today. MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code HoopBall when signing up. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L all together, HoopBall. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. That's a good combination to me. Um, and the second thing I want to say is check out Manscaped with the new uh, lawnmower 3.0. I'm not even gonna make a joke for that, but Benjamin, you know, motion his beard. There you go. That's that's an option. Okay. They have a water resistant technology, 7,000 RPM motor, quiet stroke technology. There's another joke I'm gonna let by. Just just check it out. Um, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Brewski at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code Brewski. That is B-R-U-S-K-I at Manscaped. And with that, I'm just going to go right to Benjamin. We're covering the eighth seed. It has been, honestly, one of the more exciting things in this bubble. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I would honestly say that going into the entire bubble atmosphere, I never would have thought a battle for an eighth seed would be as exciting as it's been over the last two weeks. Seriously, I'm I'm right there with you. (laughs) I was looking at my Lakers and being a fan of them, and I thought the Pelicans would make a shot. I was hoping they would take the Grizzlies. Nothing. I repeat, except maybe the Blazers. Nothing has gone according to plan. No, and, and who would have thought? This, the 6-0 Suns, you know, just, just coming out winging. But, I mean, Devin Booker has been just the, the paramount for that team. So I, I never in my life would have thought, oh, yeah, Phoenix in the bubble. Yeah, they got a shot at it. And they do. It's, it's incredible. Yep. So I'm just going to run through the standings real quick. Uh, recording this on Monday. August 10th, but you have the Grizzlies at 8th with 33 and 38. 33 wins, 38 losses. Trebley's right behind them at 33 wins and 39 losses. Suns right behind them there with 32 wins and 39 losses. And then uh, the Spurs right behind them with 31 wins and 38 losses. Uh, The Pelicans aren't in the picture and neither are the Kings. They've both been eliminated from contention here. But also important to remember, because they're playing different types of games, they're going off a winning percentage and not necessarily wins and losses. So really, we're looking yep. at the Grizzlies and Blazers with the Suns with a, a, a real good chance, especially after winning today. 
and the Spurs are, are kicking at their heels. So just run through, you know, what is your take on the landscape here, uh, Benjamin? First, I guess we can kind of go team by team and just tackle yeah. the Grizzlies. What what went wrong? I mean, I, the, the loss of Jaron Jackson after, what, the third game or was it the second game has been probably mm-hmm. the biggest blow that they've had. Um, I, 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 for whatever reason, they just can't get any kind of offense going outside of Dylan Brooks and um, – Oh my God! I can't. Uh, John Morant. Uh, John Morant. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> it it just for whatever seems like everybody else is just like mentally checked out, and meanwhile, John Dylan are you know just passing one another, racking up their assists, racking up their alley oops, and the rest of the team is just kind of coasting by right now. I agree, and, and you said it yourself. There's with with the loss of Jackson, there's a loss of that offensive hierarchy. Um, yep. John Morant. You know, he's had big scoring games, but it's not really his way. You know, he's definitely a mix of the scoring and passing. And when his shot, outside shot isn't falling, it does make it a little harder for him, even though he's still, you know, crazy explosive. Um, and it's weird. Well, and because, I think even, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of looking. Oh, mm-hmm. I was going to say, just kind of looking at the future of that team. I mean, even if they aren't able to hold on to it, at least they have the foundation for a very successful team for the future. Yes, and that's true. I guess for me, it's just a shame that. You, you come into the bubble, you know, holding eighth seed pretty firmly, kind of controlling your own destiny, just win enough games and maintain that margin. And, yeah. you know, Jackson got injured, like you said, third game, and that messed them up for sure. They'd already um, been playing with a couple of injuries going in, and so that was that was hard for them just in general. But I, I just feel like their offense kind of stagnated, their defense, their energy to me was kind of lackadaisical to start. Dylan Brooks taking as many shots as he's been taking for me is uh. troubling because <laughs> on the next great Grizzlies team, I don't see him being that type of guy. So why get those shots now, especially when, like, you you know, your other players are, could more evenly distribute those shots who are more capable? Because, you know, Dylan Brooks is getting his points, but almost exactly on the equal amount of shot attempts. And, you know, we just mentioned injuries. You you don't have Tyus Jones so far. Jaron Jackson Jr. is big. You don't have Justice Winslow. You know, he got injured as the bubble is just getting organized. And so you are kind of looking to other players. You're Dylan Brooks. Grayson Allen has stepped up big. Um, John Morant, obviously. Jonas Valanciunas has had up and down. Brandon Clark. You know, you're kind of spreading it out. But none of these guys, with the exception of maybe Morant, at least in my opinion, are going to be someone that you can look at consistently on an offensive basis to take a team for stretches and say, okay, I'm going to provide that offense. Everyone else is in spurts. It's a, it's a collective. And I think they've lost their way. Yeah, because even like defensively, I don't feel like they're they're really matching up well with anybody. Um, I would say more times than none, the reason why the Grizzlies are even hanging in games is just because whoever they're playing is just firing up shots without like really utilizing the clock as much as they should. And the Grizzlies just kind of just kind of like you know the luck of the draw, and you know they're not losing by a lot of points per se, but you know they're just not a complete team right now. No, I agree. Okay, so I want to kind of throw this on you, Benjamin, real quick. But what we're going to do with each team, we kind of talk about them a little bit. I want you to kind of go with one thing that you've been impressed by and obviously one thing you've been disappointed by uh, for this team, and that will kind of go down that way. So for the okay. Grizzlies, though, yeah, let's let's kind of get that. I want to hear your takes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just kind of covered, like, anything that's, like, really good about the Grizzlies. I mean, just the, the overall pace of play, I mean, has just been kind of like an overall negative because they've only what, gone, what, two and four so far, you know, in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, realistically, Portland should have overtaken them for, you know, outright the eighth seed by now. But their two losses have been 
what has kept the Grizzlies still kind of maintaining their spot. Um, I, I I think, yeah, as you as you covered, the amount of injuries they had kind of going into the bubble, um, a lot of the other teams that were, you know, coming in fighting for this eight spot at least had a bunch of players coming back because of the delay in between. So the four months that were, you know, had passed. But for whatever reason, uh, the Grizzlies maintained injuries, uh, acquired more injuries while inside the bubble. And so if by some miracle they're able to to move on and maintain that eight seed, I don't really feel like they're going to be a team that's going to be a strong match to the Lakers. I agree. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're too young. They're too new. Obviously, this experience has shown that they have a lot more um, in terms of collectively coming together and dealing with that adversity that, yeah, it, I, I would actually favor that matchup for the Lakers just in terms of having that experience that will be easily enough to overtake these guys. And it's weird because it's the only matchup where I would favor the Lakers amongst the other three teams that are fighting for the eight spot. Ooh, I like. Okay, okay, so with that being said, <laughs> let's kind of drop down to that next team of which I share that same opinion with you, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, who have been on, on a little bit of a tear. They've lost a couple of tough ones. Uh, you had yep. a, a tough game, you know, uh, Boston, a game against the Clippers. That was pretty bad for Damian Lillard. Yeah, exactly, but yep, you also had a 51-point performance by him. You've had some strong yeah. play from others. Their front court with Yusef Nurkic and Zach Collins is back. Um, obviously, I guess that's some of what's good, but but share with me, Ben, what, what are some good things you've seen just from the Blazers, aside from obviously getting healthy members of their core back? Well, I was going to say that the, the biggest factor have been, or the biggest two factors, in my opinion, have been the resurgence of Yusuf Nurkic, who looks like he came back from not even being out for almost an entire year. Um, I mean, he was, I think he's leading the league or leading the bubble borderline or top three in blocks right now. His field goal percentage is incredible. He's getting the boards. Um, I mean, he's just been scrappy and fighting for every single play. Uh, the other surprising um, player that's kind of come up uh, off the bench is Gary Trent Jr. Um, for whatever reason, like every time he touches the ball, he just seems to be, you know, nobody's on him. He's firing up threes. He's hitting him in at the very high percentage. Um, I would even say more so than like C.J. McCollum has been doing. Um, so... Hezonia is about the only guy who's just been like a question mark right now for the team. But for the most part, everybody else is, you know, contributed a little bit more. I think the one player that the Blazers are still like really missing right now is Rodney Hood, who would definitely be starting where Hezonia has been starting. And, you know, that whole small forward position has been about the only thing that the Blazers have had at fault right now. I totally agree. Um, if you had that, I also think that even aging and not being as effective defensively, Trevor Ariza would help yeah. kind of stabilize that forward rotation. Um, and you mentioned that Hood, Hood's absence is kind of big because Hazonia is being forced to play more minutes than, you know, his current talent level would indicate he deserves. So yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you on that. And he, he's a bona fide bench guy. And I mean, it's no, not an insult to him. It's just there are certain players that, you know, know and fully understand their role. And so for a guy like Hazonia to get thrown into a starting position and has been so pretty much the entire season, um, it just really hasn't worked out that well um, compared to, you know, when the Blazers had a healthy Kent Bazemore, who everybody thought, oh, he's going to be, you know, the good substitute for Rodney Hood. And then he went down. But even, you know, the first portion of the season, he was having a bad year. So it's just like, for whatever reason, they just can't lock down a solid small forward position. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. And so, and another thing about that um, that I've, I thought about is, yeah, you've had Gary Trent Jr. kind of come in big and, and help out in that way. Um, yeah. 
And that's been huge. But undersized, and this is why I don't think he'll work super well with um, playing with the Lakers, is that let's, let's do a hypothetical matchup here. Lakers versus Blazers. Yeah, Lakers are going to be smoked trying to cover Damian Lillard. Um, the yeah. matchups are not exactly ideal. And, and to a lesser extent, you could say the same for CJ McCollum, although I feel a little more confident with that, having KCP, having Alex Caruso, having yeah. other guys like you know that are of like size. But at, on the other end, I don't see anyone on the Blazers that can currently – stop LeBron, and I think that's the big swing matchup. And, and if you even want to make an argument, Anthony Davis has faced roughly the same front court a couple of years ago as a member of the Pelicans, and with a far uh, superior supporting, a su- a far far inferior supporting cast, proved that it wasn't an issue for him. So I don't think it's that huge of a of a gap, and I do think that the Blazers' mellow at his stage of his career is not there for LeBron. And Gary <laughs> Trent Jr. is just too undersized. <laughs> No, and I totally agree. I think if anything that's going to stop the Lakers from the Blazers' perspective is, you know, if if Hassan Whiteside is going to be, you know, busted having his have his his really weird games of having like twenty and twenty, it's gonna it's gonna be you know have to be those kind of games. Uh, and obviously, you know, Nurkic is going to have to play the top level that he's been doing. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you're, it's going to be on CJ and Dame's shoulders to, you know, just drain threes. But, you know, you have to do that a high percentage to even have a remote shot of beating LeBron. Exactly. And and that's honestly the only reason why I, I don't see the Lakers or I don't see the um, Lakers. have. They're going to have a lot of issue with the Blazers. I just don't see the Blazers <laughs> overtaking them. You know what I mean? I just I just don't. Uh, I think it would be Lakers in six, possibly, but I'm yeah. open to being swayed. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not I'm not against that. I I just feel like it's it's going to go deeper in the series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep by either team. Um, at least six or seven games. I mean six or if not seven. Yeah, exactly. I mean that'll be. I mean listen, Portland was the one team. They're kind of a wild card because without injuries, yeah, they didn't play. Yeah. up to par this season, even, you know, sustaining those injuries. But they're the one thing that if you put all health being right, everything being level, play the whole season, at least up to the point that we did, the Blazers would be in that playoff bubble more often than not. Which is weird because, I mean, considering, like, we see that, especially based on the last few years, but going into this season, I mean, Vegas had the Blazers not even making the playoffs, which, in my opinion, I thought was crazy but then seeing them play, you know, up through March, and it's like, wow, this this team has no business being anywhere near a playoff spot right now. But I'm yeah. glad they, they fixed they fixed essentially whatever was broken. Yeah, and that's true. Coming together, getting all the and, and getting a groove. I mean, that's as big of a thing, uh, just in general for NBA teams or basketball teams or just sports in general. You get a groove, you build up on that, you keep it moving. That makes all the difference. And speaking of uh, a groove teams coming together at the right place at the right time. I think it's only fitting that the Phoenix Suns just catch fire during the hottest months I'm in Arizona right now of the year. And let's talk about them. Devin Booker has been on a tear, a game winner against the Clippers, just 35 points plus in several different games. But I think the big differentiator, that's what I'm using it. If it's not a word, it's the one now. The one that I am using that I think that separates the Suns of this year from teams in the past, uh, Suns teams in the past just in general, is that their core is a lot better. Um, DeAndre Ian has been pretty solid when he remembers to yep. take his uh, COVID test, of course. Um, <laughs> I had to call that out. I'm sorry. And then you also have players like um, Javon Carter, uh, yep. like Dario Saric, uh, yep. Ricky Rubio, 
Uh, one guy who has really just totally taken the backup point guard position and stabilized it almost single-handedly is Cameron Payne, who was, you know, in my mind, just known as Russell Westbrook's dance partner a couple of years ago, but is just a bona fide solid backup guard. And I think that this this cobbled together team of tough, committed players and a group of vets who know what to do has kind of helped. It's also been, you know, some timely shots by Booker and may, you know, maybe teams not being at a hundred percent strength or whatever, but guess what? The Suns will take what is given to them and they're making the absolute most of their opportunity winning six in a row. Yeah. And it's not like they're beating like cream puff teams. I mean, going into it, I never would in my life would have thought, Oh yeah, the Suns are going to win three, three games, let alone six in a row. And I mean, cause I would say their biggest games definitely were the Clippers game, uh, Indiana, Indiana Pacers game, who were also on a tear at the time, and then the Suns blew them out by, I think, 15 or 16 points. So, for whatever reason, getting out of Phoenix and getting into the bubble has worked incredibly well for them, especially for a team that has just been, you know, downtrod because you see the talent there, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't connect wins uh, through the beginning of the season and into March. And then all of a sudden you take them out of this negative environment where, you know, their owner has been clashing with the fans. The fans want the owner to sell, blah, blah, blah. But now you get into a relaxed environment without the fans. And all you're doing is just going out and playing, you know, top tier basketball. And of course, you finally see these guys putting everything together, uh, running the plays correctly and all these guys that were basically just castaways or considered draft day busts are, you know, I'm not going to say they're becoming superstars, but, you know, in some sense, maybe they are. Yeah. I mean, listen, like we just mentioned, it's all coming together the right place at the right time. And some of these guys, you know, I, I'm very much a firm believer of being a superstar in your own role, you know. Yeah. And, and with the Suns, you're right. You have plenty of guys who... That, you know, at best high caliber backup players or rotation players and other guys like Aiden, like Booker, like Mikel Bridges, who has just been amazing, that can go even further than that potentially. And so, yeah, I'm excited about them. Here's the thing. I think I want to see them make the playoffs, not only because I do some writing about them and everything and I'll make great content, but also just to see a team that would break a drought for the first time in 10 years. Um Making the postseason, they have gone through some dark, dark days. Talking Josh Jackson, we're talking, you know, failed draft picks before that. Um, you know, you had a series of of uh, reclamation picks that the Warriors made that was pretty much uh, almost yep. entirely sponsored by the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> that was uh, just <laughs> tremendous. So you you've had some 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 dark times for them. Who could forget Marquise Chris and all the oh. issues that came there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But to have this happen now would be amazing. I don't think they have quite the juice that a Portland Trailblazer team does. But guess what? People have doubted the Suns all year. They've doubted the Suns up, Suns up to this point, and and the Suns have proven them wrong. But if I'm going to like put down my uh, purple and orange uh, col colored glasses, I see a lot of attention that could be focused to Booker, um, a little more to DeAndre, and then just saying, okay, Phoenix, you know, you guys can scrap, you guys can grind, but at the top of the ladder with the Lakers and Clippers, and really you're just focusing on the Lakers and not the Clippers as far as where the Suns can finish. There's just too much star power. And again, the same answers before. You don't have anyone who could take LeBron James or Anthony Davis out of their games. No, and I think the only thing that the Suns like really have an advantage over other teams is their youth. I mean, outside of, you know, Ricky Rubio, who I think is the oldest player on the team, but you know, everybody else in the squad is still like a solid, you know, 26 years or younger. And so, you know, the 
the age and, you know, maybe maybe the years are getting packed on LeBron. I mean, he's only, was he? I mean, he's only like 33, 34. 30, uh, yeah, oh, LeBron, 35, man, the dude old. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's like in real, in, you know, when you think about it realistically, it's like, okay, it's really not that old. But from a speed perspective, perhaps mm-hmm. that's what it is that the Suns have going for them right now. You know, oh, this, extended, this extended time off and then all these guys get rejuvenated. Uh, the Lakers are still trying to figure out, you know, how to make these other players that they acquired, you know, going into the bubble are kind of working out, which is why they're off to the two and four start that they are. Whereas mm-hmm. the Suns being a bunch of kids just kind of playing, you know, street ball in a sense and just having some fun out there. It's like maybe maybe that's what, you know, they needed the whole time. Yeah. And, and maybe this is exactly what needed to come together, you know, have a new mindset, get some players healthy, just continue yep. moving on and, and, and just getting it all together. Maybe maybe that is exactly what was needed. And and you know what? If the Suns can continue this, then I, I say I'm all for like, let's go like that's awesome, you know, but um, we got to We got to go down to one more team here that has been, you know, sneakily impressive uh, again. I love how the Spurs run things. I love how they kind of go in and say, hey, listen, we're focusing on development. You know, we're going to kind of conceive this. We didn't say it in so many words, but that was the the message that was kind of getting across. And then they go on in mini tier two. They've won their last two. You know, they, they've had a, a little, a couple more losses. They can't go all 6-0 and all like the Suns did. The Suns are the only undefeated team in the bubble. But you have a mix of young play from a DeJounte Murray Great play from Keldon Johnson. You have yep. Lonnie Walker. And then you're also getting that steady production from a DeMar DeRozan and a Rudy Gay who was flashed back from, like, age 34 to, like, 26, 27 at times with some of these ah. plays. So <laughs> it's been fun. What have you seen from the Spurs that you've liked? Um, You, you hit it right there with uh, with DeRozan and, and Rudy Gay. Um, They were the two guys that I was kind of questioning because they've been the leaders for the team for the last two years. Um, and then pop, you know, has been trying to get them to take over that, that leadership role for, for, you know, X amount of time. And for whatever reason, the bubble has worked out really well for them. Um, everybody has just kind of like calmed down. Nobody's necessarily trying to be a superstar anymore, which is how DeRozan and Rudy Gay always seem to have been no matter where they played prior to San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So I think the mentality of yes, just listening to what pop's got to say running the plays effectively, using the rest of your players, you know, in accordance to whatever the game plan is. And, you know, they've run off a four and two start. Yeah, it's been very solid. And like you said, the collective teamwork by the Spurs has has been amazing to really come together, especially, you know, playing well when they've had expectations to make the postseason, you know, as the season started dwindling down, even before the shutdown, just because, you know, it's been 23 years or 22 years at this point. That's a record already. Do they want to continue that? You know, for Pop, what is Pop's future? Lamarcus yeah. Aldridge being out. There's been a lot of storylines surrounding the Spurs to begin with, but um, the way that San Antonio has just kind of fought through that and continued to to battle is crazy because it's gotten to a point where it's it's going to make it a challenge between those three teams. And I think for me, the biggest thing I'm um, excited about, or the biggest thing I'm impressed about by the Spurs of their defense, because it was pretty horrible. Um, Kind of the reason why they're even in the position that they are in now. But, you know, their two bigs, Jakob Perlin and, and, and Drew Eubanks, have done a much better job guarding the perimeter and, and switching and closing on jump shooters when they've had to. Um, And this is really just for the team in general, because Perlin and Eubanks have controlled the boards a lot better. They've shored up some of the lineups that have needed that more, that more, that additional defense and additional rebounding, and that's been a thing. So there's a few... Um, 
like aspects about this San Antonio team that is pretty solid. But on the defensive side of the ball is what I'm uh, just most impressed with. Yeah, and especially as you just said, with the with the loss of Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, I mean, losing losing your 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 superstar power forward like that, and and getting you know pickup from a lot of these other guys. Um, that was that was my biggest question. It's just like, okay, well, how how are how are the Spurs going to stack against the schedule that they have, and and they've they've definitely battled through adversity. So congrats to them on that. And I'm <laughs> completely impressed that they're still hanging within a game and a half right now. Yeah, it is it is crazy crazy to think about. So all right, so let's just kind of foreshadow here, Ben. We're, we're yeah. looking at this tight race. Blazers obviously still have have a little bit of an advantage, but bottom line, there is going to be a play in game. When you look at these three teams, you look at the Blazers, you look at the Spurs, um, or four. Let's say you look at the Blazers, you look at the Spurs, you look at the um, Suns. Yeah. What team do you think would be best equipped to battle the Grizzlies in terms of? I mean, I think at any at, at this point, any of these teams would um would probably take down Memphis. I'm just saying where they're at right now, injury yeah. ridden and not being a matchup. But what team personally? Would you like to see? Because I'm just going to throw mine out. I'd like to see Phoenix. Two younger teams. I mean, Phoenix will have to hop over Portland. And, you know, the way the schedule is looking, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But to me, you have a, a young team in Phoenix and a young team in Memphis, both who have had a couple of down years, both who have the opportunity to really begin the first step in the right direction in their team's overall development. And I think that matchup, two young players who will be the future of their respective teams in a Devin Booker, in a John Morant, I think the storylines kind of write themselves. And I'm a sucker for storylines, but um, what, what do you think, Ben? <laughs> I, I got I got two answers on this one. One is one is my brain and one is my heart. My heart goes with the Blazers for for two reasons. One, uh, the Blazers have been my West Coast team since the early 2000s when I lived in Oregon for 14 years. Um, but the other the other part of that is the fact that the Blazers have already taken down the Grizzlies in the first game of the restart. So they clearly can take down the Grizzlies. Uh, my head is sticking with the Suns because of the fact that no team has been able to contain them outside of the Clippers, but even losing on a buzzer beater, you know, a loss is a loss. So I think if a matchup were to come down between Phoenix and Phoenix and Memphis, I think Phoenix is going to run away with it. Um, You know, the same sense that Portland can definitely take the Grizzlies down again, um, especially without uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, um, which I would say he was probably the biggest factor why the Grizzlies were given a port, giving Portland so much trouble in the first game, because he was locked in the three-point zone, um, and then, you know, the Blazers just kind of surmounted and, and won that game. Mm-hmm. So if there was the possible scenario of, you know, Phoenix versus Portland, I realistically see Phoenix taking down Portland. As, as much as it pains me to say that, um, I think the momentum that the Suns have right now is too hot, and the fact that they've been in a playoff drought for as many years as they, as they have been, it'd be good to see a team like that go against the Lakers in the first round. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, honestly, as basketball fans, we're looking for the best possible matchup. As a basketball yeah. fan and a Laker fan, I'm looking for the most entertaining matchup the Lakers walk out as winners. So I, I think want, I'm want, a little... That's what I want. I want smaller market teams dominating in the playoffs. That That's what I want. I mean, listen, if they could take the Clippers out, I'm all for it. But unfortunately, that's not what I'm getting. <laughs> but I'm with you. <laughs> 
hey, small market teams for the win. I, I like the, 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 the race we have here. I like the energy that is brought back. I mean, only one can come out on top, but regardless of that, a couple teams can look back on this race, you know, even being sent home as quickly as they will, according to the NBA. Um, though they can look back and say, okay, we made some positive steps in the right direction. <laughs> All right, so, Ben, I appreciate chatting with you real quick. Before I let you go, any final thoughts on the A-seed race or any kind of bubble talk at large that you kind of want to touch on? I think everything, the, the biggest thing that, that needs to be talked about is how effectively and how well thought out the NBA Adam Silver and crew have done with the bubble. Um, you look at, you know, COVID in general and how other, you know, other sports around the world, uh, baseball in Korea, baseball in Japan, et cetera. But, you know, how effectively the bubble format has worked for the NBA compared to whatever Major League Baseball is, try, is trying to do, um, <laughs> whatever the NHL has been trying to do. Their bubble has been OK, but I think the NBA has locked it down so effectively made it entertaining with the video screens that they have to allow fans to, you know, interject themselves through the video board um, and still have that NBA experience. Um, I, I, I tip my hat to Adam Silver and crew on that one. You know, I have to go right there with you. I, I agree. I mean, it's been so well done. The safety of the player has been a priority, and they've talked about how safe they've been. The yep. media have shared the same thing. The games that have been played are so high quality, so competitive yep. right to the end. Only been very few duds. And you know what? This has brought basketball back in a way that's exciting and, and, and really keeping people motivated and, and, and interested in the league again. So I am right there with you. But yeah. Benjamin Christensen, man, thank you for hopping on. We're going to do this again. Just know this, and, and hopefully a lot sooner than this first time, my friend. Most definitely, brother. Appreciate appreciate you having me on. <laughs> hey, always, man. Definitely, I'll check out today on HoopBall. Go to hoop-ball.com and at HoopBallTweets. Check me out at CorbinNBA. Make sure to stay tuned for future episodes uh, with great guests like Benjamin. But until then, stay frosty. I'll talk to y'all real soon. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.